It's no secret that the ability to innovate in today's disruptive business environment is the competitive edge. Well, we discuss how to unleash the everyday innovator in you so that you can begin to lean into your competitive advantage. So stay tuned. Welcome to Reinventing Perspectives. Today we have a very exciting guest. We are honored to have Tamara Gondor here with us. And she is the creator of the proprietary Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment, IQE. She's also the president of Launch Street Consultancy. And she's got a popular business podcast called Inside Launch Street. Oh, tomorrow we're so excited to have you here. Please introduce yourself to our audience. Hey, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm caffeinated up, so I'm ready for a good conversation. Uh, yeah, I'll give you the kind of short version and we can dig in wherever you feel appropriate. I mean, I started my career 25 plus years ago. I've been in innovation and brand strategy for most of that. And a lot of that was spent giving companies new product ideas, new revenue stream ideas. So I worked with Everyone from General Mills to Procter & Gamble to IBM, basically, if you've pushed your cart down a Walmart, a Target, a big box retailer, you've probably passed products that I've worked on, either brought to market new or rebranded for them. And I love innovation and I love entrepreneurship. And along the way, I started to get frustrated because I felt like I was giving all these ideas that were absolutely brilliant, game-changing for industry, like would capture new customers, not because I created them, our team created them. They weren't even always my ideas. I was just leading brilliant teams. And 95% of the time, nothing would happen with them because the people on the other side of the table were too jaded, too stuck in their box, too handcuffed to kind of the day-to-day. So at one point I realized, you know what, the power and the value of what I bring to the table isn't giving you an idea, but actually showing you how you can have more ideas, how you can be more innovative. This was 2007. I took the leap. And it's kind of funny, Priscilla, because I don't know if you experienced this too, but I climbed all the way up the corporate ladder and was like, oh, my ladder's on the wrong wall. I think I'm going to jump and go somewhere else. So I'd done the work to climb up the ladder and then realized, I don't actually like the view. I think I'm going to move. And that's when I left and started my own business. And it's taken a lot of twists and turns. But where we've landed is helping people tap the power of innovation. And we're very passionate about unleashing 1 million everyday innovators into the world. So not the Steve Jobs and Elon Musk of the world. They're great, but the everyday people like you and me. And we work a lot with entrepreneurs to help them understand how to be more innovative so that they can work smarter, so they can have a competitive edge. I love what we do because we get to help people dial up their performance. And it's been it's been a wild ride. It sounds very, very exciting. And I totally get what you said. You give people great ideas. Yeah. You enter into any kind of consultancy. It's like you hand people a package and you think this is just, it's perfect. And people just don't implement. Wow, this is this is exciting. I'm not going to jump ahead of myself, but this is exciting. Well, Tamara, you know what? Let's jump into this. Okay. How is your everyday innovative style your greatest competitor edge? Because like you said, we think innovation, we think Elon Musk. And then we think, well, I'm no Elon Musk. So, so why bother? Help us out here. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. here's the thing. I used to believe the myth too, and a lot of us do, that innovation is something that's for the select few, right? You're born with this magical gift, right? That only people like the ones that we read in the magazines actually have. And the rest of us are lucky, right? If we're just kind of walking around them. And, or it's like for certain times, you know, like a brainstorm with scented markers or arts and crafts type stuff or painting and photography. But 
what I've come to realize in my 25 years actually blew those assumptions out the door. So in the interest of time, I won't dig too far into the science behind it, but I can tell you that we all have the structures for innovation. It's possible in all of us. And the best way I can kind of show it to you is just simply to say this. Do you ever look at kids and go, oh my gosh, they're so creative. Like, look at the game they're playing. Look at the idea they came up with, right? All kids, we do that. Yet as adults, we only look at a few of us and go, aren't you so innovative? So we just unlearn, right? We train ourselves out of being innovators. We all have it as kids. And then over time, it gets kind of pushed aside for one reason or another. We can dig into a lot of that if you want to. As entrepreneurs and as leaders in a world that is uncertain, tumultuous, disruptive, like I could throw out all the words right now for kind of what we're dealing with, but it's it's very complex. Our ability to innovate, which is really our ability to think differently, our ability to create a problem solve, our ability to take our resources, whatever we have, and actually do something stronger and better with them. That's our greatest competitive advantage. So if we look at people who win in very complex, uncertain times, there are people who innovate and leap and take new paths in lives. And if we look at the ones that are challenged or stuck, they're the ones that do things the way they've always been done. Innovation is what helps us differentiate ourselves and what helps us stand out in a crowded marketplace, but also it's what helps us leap forward and stay razor sharp in a world that's really complex. In short, it helps us harness change and change is, it is, right? It's just here to stay. So I look at innovation as this incredible talent that we all have and the thing that helps us get ahead. Children just naturally, because we haven't boxed them in, they go with whatever they think. Here's the thing I love that. Like, you won't hear me talk a lot about get back to your childlike wonder. Yeah, that's all great. My point is, I think you kind of caught on to that, is it gets trained out of us over time. Whether it was a teacher, a colleague, a partner, a, a failed situation that kind of starts to hold us back. There's a lot of reasons why we train ourselves to believe we're not innovative. And the innovative mind is not technically a muscle, but it acts like one. So the more we exercise it, the stronger it gets. And if we don't, it's weak. If you look at someone who you're like, that person's like an amazing everyday innovator, they're just more practiced at it. That's all. It just made me think about how people with business backgrounds, a lot of times we, I don't know if you've seen this, the, the people that you expect to be innovating in a certain field are almost, almost never the people yeah. who innovate in that field. Because you think it would be the people who know a lot about that field who'd innovate, and it's not. No. You look at hairdressers, even you think of trends like, you know, people becoming YouTube stars. Yeah. You think it would be a hairdresser who typically take their skill to YouTube, but it's not. No. It's an everyday person who does hair at home who will go on YouTube and become this mega star without the training. So really that unlearning, wow, this is going to be an action-packed conversation. Yeah, so let me share a quick story with you. It just happened yesterday, and it just really brings it to life to your point, which is, I mean, I have a million of these stories, and it's, it's never the ones who we look at and go, oh my God, look at her with her purple streak in her hair. And, you know, like, she's so crazy. Like, they're innovative in their own way, but it, it is the everyday people that make the biggest impact. So I'll give you such a small example, but to me, it highlights why our ability to innovate with what's right in front of us is so important. So I get, I'm sure you do too. I get a lot of emails every day with like, Hey, we can help you with your website. We can help you dial up your podcast. We can help you with your SEO. We can get you more listeners, right? Blah, 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 blah. Like they all sound the same to me. And then I get this one email about two weeks ago from A gentleman who says, hi, Tamara, I love your podcast, specifically this episode. So great, right? Like rapport. 
But then he says, I've put together a proposal for you that shows you what you're doing wrong and what I can do to fix it. So totally a different approach than everybody else. I open up the presentation, which I never do. So like never, because I get a million of these emails and I just don't care. It's like, I don't know what you have to say and I don't care. I, I don't have the time, right? I open it up. He has 10 pages of my tile slides on YouTube and some stuff I've done on social media and some marketing on my website and his examples of what he would do if I hired him on the other side. So I hired him. I mean, it was absolutely brilliant. It was just such a small innovation. You know, everybody else is being so general and he just thought a little bit differently. And I asked him, I said, what made you do that? You gave away the ideas. Like, I guess I could have taken what you did, right? And just done it myself. He said, you know, Tamara, he goes, I know you get a lot of emails. I know the people I'm reaching out to get a lot of emails. He said, so I just, I needed to figure out a way to get your attention. I needed to be more creative about how I approached you. And I figured that telling you what you were doing wrong would shock you a little bit into at least paying attention. And I was like, whoa. Well played, but he's just this young man, right? In India, who's trying to like, you know, help me with some of my business and he's fantastic. And that would, to me, was an indication of what he would be like to work with. But to your point about it's not the ones you expect. This is some young guy who spends all day on his computer doing graphic design and pretty like basic type of stuff, but thought differently about his sales. And it totally made a difference. That's a great story because everyone who's trained to do that is following the format. Yeah. And we've seen the format over and over, so it doesn't really draw anyone's attention anymore. If you are following a format that already exists, you're already doing something wrong. So the way you said that was so wonderful. If you are following everybody else's best practices or what's already been done, you are not gaining the advantage. And I think that's why understanding how you innovate is so important. So I'm going to get a little personal and talk a little bit about you for a minute because I know your everyday innovator style, which is different than mine. So just for your audience and summary, so kind of people understand it, it's based on neuroscience and behavior change, change principles and all this and psychology. What we discovered is there's nine ways that we as humans can innovate. So nine different styles of innovation. Each of us has an everyday innovator style, which is the combination of your top two power triggers. So your wellspring of innovation, how you do it most naturally, and then a dormant trigger, which is not necessarily a weakness. I don't love weakness because I think that's a comparison game, but it's more that's not your place to play, right? It's fine, but you're not going to thrive there. So we all have these everyday innovator styles. Understanding that about yourself means you can perform at your peak on demand more often, right? You can just be more innovative all the time. So yours is risk taker instinctual. That's your two power triggers. By the way, mine is risk taker experiential. So we have some overlap. Here's the thing about people like you with a risk taker experiential. Now there are 36 plus combinations. So how you innovate is very unique to you and that's how you add value and stand out. So as a risk taker, you innovate by leaping and figuring it out, by being uncomfortable. So while a lot of people like to stand back on the ledge, People who are risk takers tend to do best when they're actually leaping. So for you and me to innovate standing on the ledge and holding back is really hard because that's not where we thrive. That's not where our brain lights up. But if we leap and build the plane as we go, we're going to do it, right? We're going to figure it out. And the instinctual side is all about this circuitous pattern. What I love about people with instinctual is your everyday innovator style allows you to see insights and patterns So you kind of connect things in very circuitous ways. So to me, the cool part about that as an entrepreneur for you is 
if you really play in that space of leaping and figuring it out and taking those insights you and those patterns that you naturally see that help you think ahead of other people, we're all down in the muck in information and you're over here with the insights, what that information means, like think how valuable that is to getting your business ahead. It is so powerful. So for me, it's risk taker experiential. So I'm all about the uncomfortable and then I'm about doing. So I need to I need to do. My team always makes fun of me because they say I don't hand stuff off to them fast enough, but it's because for me to innovate, I've got to like, I got to play with it first, you know, right? I got to build this PowerPoint slides. I got to test out the podcast, right? I got to create the digital magazine before I give it to you. And they're always like, tomorrow, pass it off. I'm like, I'm trying, but I need to, I need to innovate first. When I did mine, I was like, this is spot on. Yeah. Because as soon as I saw um, risk taker, I was like, yeah, that's, that's how I operate. And then I saw the instinctual and I was like, yeah, for sure. Because for me, I didn't call it instinctual, but I kind of thought, well, my mind is kind of somehow analytical. Mm. You know, I quickly draw patterns and all that. So I was like, this is definitely spot on. And the third one, which I think you'll talk a little bit about now, was completely 100% like, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. The futuristic was yours. Yeah. What I love about that too is it's not that you can't think ahead by any means. But it's that you prefer, right, to kind of really look at the landscape of today and to innovate in that way. And I love what you just said, by the way, about like quick. And let me ask you a question. Do you ever find when you're in a conversation with people uh, one on one or in a group where you like, you know, before everybody else, like, you know, the idea or, you know, you have a decision, but you have to kind of back up into why, like, you know, it first. And then people are like, I don't, Priscilla, how did you get there? And then you have to kind of do the job of backing people up into your rationale versus, right, the other way around where people kind of go from A to B to C to get there. Yes, that's my experience. Sometimes I don't even know why. Yes. But I just feel like this is the right thing to do. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to do it any other way. I just don't know why. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. And so I just want to add one thing to that, which I think is so important. And this is kind of goes back to your question about it being a competitive advantage you are very in tune with that. And you know now that that's part of how you innovate. And so you can trust that and do more of it. When I meet people who have instinctual in their everyday innovator style, what I've come to realize is that oftentimes they have squelched that ability because it's not rewarded in the marketplace, right? It's not rewarded at work. As an entrepreneur, you're like, wait a minute, am I right? I don't even know what I'm doing here, you know? So it's really important that we trust those abilities that we have. And it's one of the reasons we have built the assessment So that people had concrete proof of like, hey, I should be doing more of this. I used to really hold back being a risk taker because I was afraid I was getting too impulsive, maybe without knowing why I was doing what I was doing or why I was leaping. But it's how I innovate. It's actually how I do best. So there are a lot of us out there who have this incredible power, this kind of incredible talent inside of us, but we squelch it for one reason or another. So if you're an instinctual and you're not trusting your gut, you're working against yourself. Uh-huh. Yeah, people need to take the yeah. assessment because I think a lot of light bulbs are going to yeah. go off once you take the assessment because it really is true that understanding yourself, that self-awareness, understanding how you operate best, understanding the environment you want to create for yourself mm-hmm. is really, it takes all the stress away because when you're trying to do things in a way that you don't operate, that's highly stressful. Highly. And you're just, I love, this is so great. You just pulled all these things that I said 
and put him into an insight. Well, that's your instinctual side. That's probably what makes him such a good host is because you kind of hear all the things that people say and pull them together. So that was fantastic. I just, that was so impressive. You know what? I, I think it really is important to understand yourself. We had a woman once who took the assessment. She was an entrepreneur. She owned a toy company and it was basically online. And she was really struggling because she just, she was stuck. She wasn't getting joy out of her work anymore. And one of the things that came out of it, her, her dormant trigger, one of them is collaborative. Collaboratives are all about pulling disparate people and ideas and experiences together. They innovate with that connection. And she was missing that. And so that fuel for innovation was missing from her. So she created these kind of weekly customer chats where they get online and she shares product ideas with them and they give her feedback. It's kind of like an ongoing online focus group. She created collaborations with other company, other small businesses out there so that they could kind of sell each other's products. But what she really realized is for her as an entrepreneur, that collaborative side, not only did she miss people having an online business, but more than that, she missed the fuel that she needed to be an innovator and to be that strong leader that she needed to be to grow her business. And once she realized that her business started to take off and her joy came back. That's a really powerful example. It really shows that these styles or the way the assessment works really puts you to understand what's holding you back mm -hmm. in so many ways. Yeah. And sometimes you don't even know what's holding you back because of, like you said, the training, the black suit training of this is how we do business and this is how a business is run. And it's frustrating a lot of... You know what I think is really cool too? It's a little bit of a tangent, but it relates to what you're saying. I think now more than ever, we have the opportunity to do things the way we want to do them. I think that the playing field was leveled in 2020 for better or worse for a lot of us. But I actually think it's opened up incredible opportunity to say, this is who I am. This is what I bring to the table. This is what I bring to the world. And I'm going to do it in the way that works for me. We put that under the veil of authenticity a lot of times. But when I really think about it, I think it's this incredible opportunity to carve a path that works for us in the way we want to do it. And I, I actually really think that all this disruption that we've experienced has allowed that now more than ever has. And, you know, when I realized that I wanted to teach people how to be more innovative, right? It's the kind of per, a person to fish versus teach them how to fish. When I wanted to teach people how to fish, for me, that was like, yep, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. But nobody had done it before. And that to me was the best gift ever because I could do it the way I wanted to do it. And I made a lot of mistakes along the way and I fumbled along the way. But if had I tried to do it in a way that worked for somebody else for something else, I probably would have, we probably wouldn't be on this call right now. I hope you're enjoying the conversation so far. Please leave me a review in your favorite podcast listening app and let me know what kind of guests you'd like me to have on and what exactly it is that you'd like to know to help you on your journey as an entrepreneur. And don't forget to go to www.launchstreet.com to take the IQE and find out what's your innovator style. Now let's get back to our episode. And a lot of times you can get really just frustrated. Yeah. And, you know, you go online and it's like content marketing and everybody's doing it this way and that way. Exhausting. And then you think to yourself, oh, you know, this person with, you know, X amount of followers, a million followers is saying you need to do things like this and buy their program that teaches you to do things like that. So many programs and out there. This is like setting people free. Yes. Thank <laughs> you. Set free, really. Yeah, I so, so appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Like I said, I've made a lot of mistakes <laughs> along the way. But I think, you know, if I looked back at my younger self, I'd say that 
I was fortunate to not believe the rules applied to me. So we have this running joke in my house that my dad always makes fun of me. He's like, you know, the rules exist. You just don't think they apply to you, which is just true in general life for me. So I would encourage other people to take on that mantra because, I mean, I know some rules are for our benefit, but in general, you know, the way things have been done, the world has changed. It's changing every day. So if we're following an old rule book, it just doesn't help us. And I'll give you just a quick example. We recently launched a digital magazine for everyday innovators. So it's, you know, all these tools and insights and activities to unlock innovation in yourself, to be more influential in your world, to make a bigger impact. And when I started down the path of it, because I've never done a digital magazine before, I've never worked in that channel. People said, you can't do it that way. You can't have it this. You can't do that. Right. It was all the things I can't do because the rule book said this. And I just stopped listening to them and said, okay, I'm just going to do what I think is the right thing to do for what I want to bring to the table, what I think my customer needs. And it has been surprisingly successful, but I think it's because I stopped listening to those people who said there was a way you have to do it. And I think the greatest gift early entrepreneurs can give themselves is releasing themselves from paying attention to the courses, the programs, the like the 10 steps. I love those things for pulling nuggets out. Like, oh, I love the way they marketed that. That spoke to me. Or, oh, I like how they talked about that. That that worked for me. But they've already done it. So, like, it worked for them, but it's probably not going to work for you. Like, I know that sounds horrible. I don't mean to diss. Like, I've learned a lot from other people's programs. But I just think you have to listen to your own voice. And, you know, you can pull the nuggets where you want to. But not having that information is actually one of the greatest gifts. Now, what is the key to unlocking your unique and powerful innovator muscles. So you go online, you do the assessment, you understand now how you operate, you can kind of embrace that. Then what's the next step? So that's a great question. And the awesome part is it's a little bit different for all of us because we all have different styles. Our brains are as unique as our thumbprint. But let me give you a a couple really easy to implement things that you can do. So one is the back of the assessment are exercises specifically for your everyday innovator style. Do them. The second thing I'd say is, and I do this every single day to this day, I carve out five minutes, just five minutes every morning to do something that ignites my innovation. So for me, it's doing something that gets me a little bit uncomfortable or mind mapping or journaling, or I think we all have different things that work for us, but just Five minutes asking what if questions, jotting down crazy ideas. I've got a popcorn idea for you too. Don't make me forget that one. That one's really good. But here's the thing about why I say in the morning. It's because a couple things. One is think of exercise for a minute. When we exercise in the morning, we know that our metabolism is more revved up all day. We get the benefits of it all day. Well, our muscle and our mind are the same way. So when we do it in the morning, we simply are more innovative all day. The muscle is stronger all day long. So you can wait if you want to and really pull it out in those right moments. That's awesome. But I would encourage all of us to spend five minutes every morning and get that metabolism going in our brains. Reap the benefit. We'll work smarter, not harder. We'll be more productive. The work we'll do will be higher quality. I want to give one other thing that I think is really important to understand. I don't know if you've ever done this to yourself, Priscilla, but I know I have, where you come up with an idea and then you're like, well, that's stupid, right? Before you even say it out loud, your brain's like, never mind. Or you have an idea about something that has nothing to do with anything that you work on. So you go, I don't need to think about that. That has nothing to do with me. Like this morning, you and I were talking about on this website, we're both on how we matched. We were talking about, wouldn't it be nice if like this, right? Like we had an idea, had nothing to do with you and me. We're not going to do anything with it. 
Well, the challenge is in our brains, our innovative mind is when we go, that's stupid. That'll never work. I'm not even going to say that one. This one has nothing to do with anything I do. We're actually shutting down the innovative mind. We're telling our brain, don't bother. We don't want innovative ideas. Not today. And that then trickles into the times that we do want them. I've got a challenge I need to solve, an opportunity I need to create, a customer I need to sell, right? Whatever it is, a business to build. So when we shut it down in those times, we shut it down all the time. So here's what I love to tell people. And unfortunately, I do, I'm so bummed. I don't have it in reaching distance of me. Here's what I want people to do. Grab some type of bucket that they can keep on their desk. And I don't care. I have a popcorn bucket. I don't care if it's a popcorn bucket, a mug, a hat, whatever works, just something. And every single time you have an idea, no matter how crazy and wild, write it down on a sticky note and put it in the bucket. So first of all, that mind-hand connection is really powerful. Here's what happens. You will fill up that bucket with ideas ranging from hot yoga mats to put under your car tires during a snowstorm. That was one I had, by the way. Random, I know, right? Ideas from that to like ways to market and grow my business and sell my products. They all go in the bucket. Here's the thing. When we say to our brains, I want all ideas. In fact, I'm going to validate the ideas by writing them down and putting them in the bucket. Your brain goes, oh, she wants more of this. Awesome. I'm going to keep innovating and giving her ideas. So when you validate all of them, you really get them in the moments you need them. It's called priming in psychology. The challenge is we shut down ideas that we think don't relate. And when we do that, we're actually shutting down the ideas that we need. So grab a bucket and just start putting them in there every time. Like I said, I mean, I have wild ideas like a flashlight that has shapes in it for shadows. Like, I'm not going to do anything without that. It's nothing to do with my world, right? <laughs> nothing. But I said to my brain, like, oh, that's interesting. And I wrote it down, right? I have, an, I have 10 million ideas for apps that I'll never do anything with. It doesn't matter because in that bucket are also the ideas that have helped me 10x my results. That's a great exercise. And I think I love it. everybody should begin doing this. Everybody should. It actually made me think of the guys who founded Netflix. I can't remember what their name is. Mm. But apparently they would drive to work every day, commuting way before Netflix. Yeah. And on their way to work every morning, they would exchange random ideas. Yeah. What if we did this? Crazy idea. Oh, no oh, that would never work. That would never work. Oh, what about if we did this? Oh, well, that would never work. And eventually they stumbled upon Netflix. the idea for Netflix. And ah, testament to the process. I haven't heard that before. That is awesome. You know, I think, Priscilla, you brought something up that's really important, which is it's quantity to get to quality. So I think all too often we try to get to the right idea out of the gate. Like if it's not right, the minute we think it, we shut it down. So the problem is you really have to go for innovation. For you to really have those ideas, you got to go far and wide and then pull out the ones that actually should move forward. I don't think every idea should move forward, but you got to go far and wide first. And I'll give you a quick example that I think brings this to life. There was this professor at a university, this photography class, he told half the class he's going to grade them on quality, the just the right composition, the right lighting, right? Their pictures had to be perfect. The other half of the class, he said, I'm going to rate you on quantity, meaning like all the photos that you submit. By the end of the class, what he came to realize is that the students that were being judged on quantity actually had the better quality photos because they were out there experimenting and trying and looking at new angles and new things. And this group had very few pictures that they submitted and they weren't that good because they were so worried about them being so right. So quantity gets us to that innovation. It gets us to quality. Absolutely great point, especially to 
early entrepreneurs, don't be yeah. afraid to try things. You need to keep trying this and that. And if you think about it, big organizations do this all the time. We only see the successful product yeah. that eventually hits the headlines and is everywhere. But before they get to that successful product, they've done a whole bunch of things that finally led to that final thing. So we've got to get rid of this mindset of not trying stuff. I could not agree with you more on that. I hundred percent. And I think that the shift that we need to make at our brains, the thing that I've learned over time is that our customers are way more willing to go along the journey with us. If we listen to them and if we adjust, we put up this invisible wall between us and our customers and we want it to be our best effort, of course, but they're way more forgiving than we give them credit for. And they're more invested in our success than we give them credit for. When we launched the magazine, the assessment, I will tell you the first assessment I did, I was testing it. So I sent it out to a bunch of clients. I then had to, on PowerPoint, create every single, and there's all these different combinations, result. There were spelling errors in there. There, It was like, it was just, it was so bad. It's almost embarrassing looking back. So bad. But that was my first go at it and I didn't know what I was doing. And so I got a lot of feedback and then the second round was a little bit better and then a little better. And that's how it got to the place it is today, right? It's this incredible assessment today, but I had to figure it out along the way. But I think we need to walk away from this idea that like the mistakes have to stay inside and unknown. I think if we have good intent and if we're moving forward with our best product, our best offering, the customers will go along with us. You know a lot about brands and bringing products to market. I said, I've got to get your insight on just the branding process. Like if you're an early entrepreneur and you're starting out, what should you focus on in terms of your brand? So, oh my gosh, I have so much. Okay, here we go. Let me, let me get my thoughts together. So here's the overarching <laughs> thing that I tell all entrepreneurs that we work with. You want your brand to be ownable and defendable. Those are the things that you should focus on. And by ownable, I mean that it is unique to you. It stands out. I like to think of ownable as I can say that about my brand, but so-and-so over here couldn't say the same thing. And here's kind of my example of this. Just I'll give something that we all kind of see insurance commercials. I can't for the life of me remember, even if I like the commercial, which company it's attached to. Like, I don't know, was that Progressive? Was that State Farm? Was that Farmers? Like, I always get them wrong because their message and their branding is so generic that I can't tell them apart. So sorry if you're listening, but that's the truth. So as entrepreneurs, we don't have the luxury of being able to just blend in. We need to really stand out. And I think what makes you unique is a combination of you, your everyday innovator style, who you are as a human, what you bring to the table and your product, right? It's all of it wrapped into one. And I would encourage entrepreneurs to really dig deep and not be afraid to share them and their story. Ultimately, it's their story that helps them stand out too. So make it ownable. And then the other part is make it defendable. And what I mean by that is you want to bring it to market, package it, create a product that is innovative and different so that creates a moat around you. So if the competition wants to come in, they're gonna have to do some work. One of my favorite examples of this is actually a winery here in Colorado. It's called Infinite Monkey Urban Winery. Here's the thing. Almost all wineries are out in the rolling hills. It's like Chateau, blah, 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 and rolling moon, right? All that kind of stuff. This guy, Ben Parsons, the founder, he took his winery and he put it in the heart of downtown Denver. They make the wine in a warehouse in downtown Denver. He was the first to put it in single serve cans. So the rest of the, the wine world's like, oh my God, what is this crazy guy doing? In the meantime, he's getting new customers. He's building up distribution that didn't exist before. 
his brand is so ownable and defendable that people instantly think single serve wine. They thought of infinite monkey and it was really hard for the competition to catch up. So to me, it's all about being ownable and being defendable because if you have those two things, the rest will follow. Wow. That's it. Sorry, I was just going to add to that real quick. Just, I think in the ownable and defendable, like make it unique. Don't be to run away from the thing that makes you quirky or weird. I once worked on an apple juice drink that had bits of apple in it, which here in the U.S. is not our normal behavior. We don't eat our drinks. In Europe, very common. And they would not share. They wanted to hide that fact because they knew that Americans would find it weird. And I kept saying to them, no, we should shout it from the rooftops because the few that want that will come. So whatever that is, it's like your freak flag with what you do, make it a part of your brand. Yeah, that's really great advice. I'm so glad I asked you because I said 25 years of experience. We got to get in there and get this branding stuff sorted out. Thank you so much, Tamara. Tamara, I always end with these last two questions. I always ask, what is the number one book that you'd recommend to an early entrepreneur? Oh, okay. Well, I love The Alchemist, but I feel like that's pretty obvious. So let's go further. I recently read Big Money Energy and it's a guy named Ryan Serhant, and he's a top realtor in the U.S., he was on Million Dollar Listing. He's doing all this stuff. And he's an incredible entrepreneur and his energy is infectious. And I just, I can't get enough of what he does. Big Money Energy is a great book. Thank you for that recommendation. And we'll definitely put that in our Leaders Readers series. What has faith meant to you on your journey? Oh, I think to me, it has been the rock that has kept me moving forward. You know, there are up times and there are down times, and as you know, and all of us know. And the faith in being a part of something bigger and having some bigger guidance, you know, behind my kind of wind behind my back and knowing that faith wants me to succeed and it's up to me to kind of move forward. It's been the rock. I think it's what we do is a roller coaster ride and faith is what keeps us going. Also in the up times, because I think that some, in some ways those are scarier than the down times. Thank you so much for this amazing conversation. To the audience, please go and take the IQE and discover your unique and powerful everyday innovator style. Let's have early entrepreneurs claiming their stance as innovators. Love it. Thank you so much, Tamara. Thank you for having me. For more information, freebies, and clips from various episodes, please follow us on Instagram at Reinventing Perspectives or go to our website, www.reinventingperspectives.com. Thank you so much for your time. We absolutely value your time and even more, we value your feedback. Don't forget to leave us a review. Thank you so much and see you again next week.